Welcome to the Borcelli Brothers Podcast. This is episode two. I am Sean Borcelli. And I'm Mike Borcelli. And I'm kind of wondering, where where's episode one gone, Sean? Well, for the viewers or listeners at home, uh, you'll notice that we've started episode two. We did record a episode one. Due to reasons, we will be debuting the episode one at the end of our first season. Just because. Because. Uh, Do you want to tell everybody how the show works, how it's structured? Yeah, basically um, all of our episodes will be split into two parts, and we like to call them the sober part and the drunk part. So the sober part, uh, we will be interviewing a guest uh, or talking about a certain subject that we've pre-planned and done research and uh, have made sure not to be drinking too much before we talk about these ideas. Second half... Well, inevitably, we fall down the rabbit hole a little bit. Yeah, things things get a little out of hand, maybe sometimes, uh, get loose. Uh, alcohol has finally caught up with us. Uh, we get louder, so expect screams and accept, expect things to be uh, maybe slurred a little bit more. Slurred, but, less. And we'll be talking about things that just happen to have come up in the episode or yeah. about current events and movies that we've all seen. Um, so that'll be available on our website uh, in, in a second part. And also, you know, uh, we might have fans out there who are not a fan of our uh, sober part and are just listening in for the drunk part, or vice versa. Yeah. To be honest, We're giving, uh, after, giving uh, after listening to some of our drunk parts, I think people will be more listening to our sober parts. Uh, well, we'll let you be the judge. I think we should give a brief word to our sponsor, uh, Uncle Norman. Oh, Uncle Norman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Uncle Norman uh, has actually sent us a pre-recorded ad. If it wasn't for Uncle Norman, we we wouldn't actually be here today. No, not he, at all. He was our first sponsor. He helped us with some of the equipment we needed to buy. Uh, he was very supportive of the idea of us even doing a podcast. So supportive even that I feel a lot of pressure if we suck. Yeah. If we're terrible and all this goes awry... We're going to owe him thousands of dollars in, lot, like in a gear. lot of money. Probably never get his support ever again. <laughs> well, anyways, here's a pre-recorded message from our sponsor, Uncle Norman. Hey, Maddie, how's it going? Oh, not so good, Chuck. Why is that? Mustache is giving me trouble. Yeah, it's looking pretty rough. Gotta take care of that thing. You're telling me I've had this mustache for 30 years. Haven't trimmed it once. I don't remember what my lip looked like, and I can't shave it off. I don't know what to do. Last week, I tied it to my shoelace. Ouch! And I was about to go jogging. Oh, boy. I just picked up, uh, this stuff. I haven't tried it yet. What is it? It's called, uh, Uncle Norman's Mustache Tamer. That sounds pretty crazy. I've never put anything in this mustache other than my soup. 100% natural beeswax, coconut oil, pine sap, juniper oil. I don't know. Want to give it a try? I'm in. So I just put my finger in here like this and get some on my finger? Oh yeah, it'll take years off your looks. Oh yeah, goes in nice. Wow, this stuff's great. Hey, you look really good. Let me try some of that. Holy moly, it really works. 
Thanks, Uncle Norman. Uncle Norman's mustache tamer. Get your shit together. You know what? Again, thanks, Uncle Norman. Today on this episode, we have we're we're talking about music venues. Uh, yeah, uh, we've got a really great guest. We've got Craig Martell. Craig Martell is one of the owners of a local music venue called the Wonder Bar, a small small place that uh, uh, holds about about sixty five people, um, has shows frequently. And uh, recently, actually, Craig has also added to his job description uh, being a promoter at a, a, a much larger venue called Starlight Room in Edmonton. And he's on the episode to discuss how difficult it is to run a music venue, promote music, and just to survive uh, in our city that is is losing venues one after another. Yep. So I guess we should talk about uh, the fact that this was recorded quite a while ago. Yeah, in July. In July. And I think we have a few updates on some of the information said in the interview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll first say, though, it was done in July. We had booked him a few weeks earlier than we recorded. And what is kind of awesome for us, and it made it a really easy episode to record, was that some pretty significant things had happened to Craig with Wonderbar that day, the day of recording. He was having some troubles with the venue and had reached out on social media for some help and received an amazing amount of support. And so we, we got to talk to him that evening after him all of a sudden having the day saved by all of his supporters. Honestly, when it first became news that he was, his bar was in trouble, the first thing I did was message you and say, oh my God, he's going to cancel on us, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I texted him right away. I was like, hey, uh, so this is crazy, and I'm really – it sucks what you're having to deal with. But does that mean you're not coming in on our episode? Because we – Because we're totally screwed if you don't. Yeah, we, we got a schedule here. We've already made people wait long enough yeah, but for thank, episodes. Thankfully, it was a really happy story, and it was a great day to have him on the podcast. Oh, yeah, and he was just like, no, of course. Uh, yep. I wouldn't cancel. Yep. He's True a great, blue. He's a great guy. True blue. So – in addition to the the updates with Craig, uh, there are some other things since the episode was recorded that have changed. Some yeah, facts. Yeah, okay. So for starters, uh, Craig said he was retired from comedy, but I totally saw on Facebook that he just did it recently at the Empress. Yeah, I so saw I, that too. Yeah, and I, I was like, know, I Craig, like Wait, what's that all about? Really? Uh, like, what? you were pretty definitely like, no, I'm not a comedian you're, you're, reti- you're retired. I don't know. Well, we will get an update from him maybe. We'll get him back on. So then we were also talking about uh, a few venues in the city. Uh, one of them happened to be Space. Yes, yeah, Space. And so Space was a venue that was doing some really great things. Really neat stuff. Uh, but it has now had to close. It has closed down. And it's the, uh, it's not due to uh, not being able to afford things or anything, but just due to their location. Uh, the city has bought the block they're on, and there are LRT expansions happening. And... Who knows when they're happening, but the city felt that it was pertinent to uh, get on it approximately five years before they actually start doing anything. Yeah. So sad we, stuff. That, it's, a, it's a sad thing. Another venue bites the dust. I'll also add uh, there was a posting from Bohemia, which is just up the road from space. Yeah. Uh, and they are selling their business as well. Wow. With the hope to just carry it on to another owner who's going to take Bohemia, which is another music venue to, you know, just have the energy to continue persevering and 
pushing that stone up the mountain. And I, I hear they have a deal, so they will be sold oh, wow. for the purposes of continuing to be a music venue. Hmm. So that is uh, either sad or great news. I, I'm, well, we will wait to see. Okay. Uh, okay, so before we start the episode, I'd like to uh, throw a little bit of our social media in your face. We're on Instagram as the Borcelli Brothers. You can follow us there. We have a Facebook page. Uh, it's just Borcelli Brothers. Uh, and, and we have our website. We have a website, BorcelliBrothers.com. BorcelliBrothers.com. It's official. We yeah. actually got a .com, and there was no other BorcelliBrothers.com out there. I could not believe. Yep. Uh, we also would like to hear back from you. We'd like your general feedback. If you hate us, if you love us, if you got a joke, if you got an episode idea, because we talk about everything here. If you want to correct us on the multiple mistakes that we will definitely, definitely be making, let's use this as a disclaimer. We know we're kind of full of shit. Yeah. Uh, so there are, the way to get in touch with us is uh, through our email account. It's borcellibrothers at gmail.com. Borcellibrothers, that's B-O-R-C-H-E-L-L-I brothers at gmail.com mm-hmm. and without further ado here's our interview with craig martell This is a terrible headphone app. It's, it's the headphone app, yeah. Sorry, guys. Learning. We're going as we go. Learning. Well, you couldn't have known. <laughs> you couldn't have known. You couldn't have known. <laughs> Mike was shouting into it, and I didn't have any feedback coming from my headphones. I don't know what changed. Uh, we broke it. When we finally put all four in, maybe? Yeah, I that's what that's it is. I think that's what it is. With this, all microphones are being used. Or yeah. maybe one of these is worse than another. Mm-hmm. You know, I asked Mike if I should uh, rent another headphone amp today. I said it's only four bucks. <laughs> he didn't say it was only four and bucks. And he says, no, 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 we got it. Yeah, I said it's like four bucks. I think I said the microphone's eight. I think he just said it was cheap. The headphone right? amp is four dollars. Welcome to the Borcelli Brothers Podcast, where we just have sibling rivalry. The whole time. I like it. I, I find okay. myself uh, kind of torn on the whole, the whole four dollar thing. Yeah. Because that's two cheeseburgers. <laughs> well yeah not good cheeseburgers no though. two decent samosas that's true that's yeah. actually a better oh yeah samosas that sounds good that sounds I, we didn't eat dinner we didn't eat dinner did you get a chance to eat no dinner? i didn't i was busy but i thought you were racing over for i was at but then it, i found other things that i had to do yeah that's that's life I was sort of like scrambling to get out of Wonder Bar and then ended up just staying. Like I was like, oh, and I have to do that, so I'll do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So let's uh, get these keys off the table. Oh, but what if a baby wants to laugh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so note to self, we're going to get uh, some of these for the next one. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to have those on all of them. Or maybe this isn't it's working. It's just a this bad table. table. We're learning as we go. It's going to be real fun. This, this is, is the first time we've used the table in front of us. Before, we, we used these uh, casual chairs over in the corner. And it was a little more loungy. Right. The yeah. Boom mics. Maybe you need something softer than a table, but yeah. more of a table than a chair. Such a... <laughs> I don't this know. Is, no, it's a riddle. This is a riddle. An ottoman. Oh, oh. ottoman. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. Well, we might as well introduce the person who we're talking to right now. Sure. This is Craig Martell. Welcome, Craig Martell. Thanks for having me. Craig Martell is a local uh, proprietor. He runs the Wonder Bar. Um, Sean, add in more about Craig Martell. He does lots. But not that much. I didn't do my background research oh. on Craig before this episode. You you actually chose him as the guest. He's a, he's a, also, a, he does stand-up comedy from time to time. Retired, he, actually. Retired. Oh, are you done? You're actually done? retired. Finished up. Oh. Okay, so Craig... You've owned Wonder Bar for how many years now? Five plus years. And that's a music venue that holds how many people? 84 legally. So 84 legally. It's a small venue, but you have shows pretty much every night except Monday? No, just like every night that I can get one. Yeah. And then we close when I can't get one. But basically that's all you do for there. It's not really a bar bar. It's, oh, it's, it's venue, venue focused. Yeah. 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 Very much only live music venue. Hmm. We've tried to be a bar and failed. So we were like, well, we're failing less as a music venue. Hmm. So just focus on the music venue, get yep. so many bands in. Yep. And you're also, uh, you're now working for another venue in the city called the Starlight Room. I am, booking at the Starlight Room. Yeah. Losing them a lot of money. Are oh, you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even with that Deerhoof show? It lost money on it. Did you? Really? Yeah. Oh, it was amazing. Great show. Never lost a ton of money. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you want to tell us a bit about uh, how your day's gone? What happened today? Oh, it was such a weird day. Um, I got a Facebook message at, well, I woke up at 8 a.m. to a Facebook message sent at 4.30 a.m. from Lucas, one of our bartenders. And he just said, hey, the landlady came in and she wants her rent by tomorrow or we're not allowed opening tomorrow. Yikes. And I was like, oh, well, that sucks because I have no money. So I just kind of like over the next hour resigned myself to the fact that we're closed forever as of today. So so when was the rent due? We've been a month about month and a bit behind on rent for around ten months. Oh okay. Mm-hmm. It was an ongoing just a consistent thing. little bit behind. Yeah yeah. And uh, this month it was mostly like she's really been quite patient with us because uh, there's a. Uh, I don't know, for like for months she hasn't really cared. Like she's like, Get me the rent. I'm like, Oh, okay. And I'm like, here I have five hundred dollars. Here I have six hundred dollars. Here's a thousand dollars. And then I kind of piece together our rent. But then this week she was like, Bring me rent Monday. And then I didn't have rent Monday and my phone was dead because I have no mm-hmm. money. So you're so avoiding I her. I didn't co- yeah, she thought I was <laughs> avoiding her. So it kind of all came to a head then. So I decided to kind of announce to because we have a show tonight, a big yeah. one. And I kind of want to announce to the unwashed masses that perhaps we won't have a show tonight. I'll do my best. 
And I was kind of just hoping to, like, find a friend with enough money to, like, loan me the money. But I don't really know anyone that has, like, four and a half grand that they won't miss. None of us do. Nobody. <laughs> and even if you have, like, four and a half grand, I will get that back to someone as soon as possible. But I don't know when that is. Yeah. So I don't know anyone, like, I know lots of people who might have that in their bank account, but, like, can't go mm-hmm. a yeah. month without it. So I was like, oh, we'll see. And then somebody suggested a crowdfunding, crowdsourcing account. And I didn't want to do it because I hate crowdsourcing so much. Like, so much. Really? Yeah. Why? I think a lot of people... Other, other than some obvious reasons, but I want to hear your perspective on crowdfunding, because I'm thinking about using it here soon, especially after what happened today. Right. Yeah. Well, I think there's certain things that I believe in for crowdfunding. Like, if some guy's like, I develop video games, and... I can't afford to make a video game because that costs so much money. But here's my idea for it, and here's a sample of what I can do. Like, that guy legitimately on his own could never come up with the money to do it. For sure. So crowdsource it. Yeah. 100%. A lot of musicians use it, and Mm -hmm. I found historically a lot of the musicians that use it are musicians that have never actually played a gig anywhere. And they're not part of a scene and don't understand that you can legitimately record okay for, like, 500 bucks. Sure. So instead they go to a studio and the studio's like, oh, 10 grand. And they're like, oh, I'll raise 10 grand. And then all their friends and family who have, are also not part of the music scene and don't get it, chip in and they make it. And then they record it. They have a thousand copies of the world's most boring CD in their closet for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Whereas like a, a touring, gigging band will be like, well, we saved a grand. We can spend a grand on recording. And that's, you know, so it's just kind of, it's stupid to me in that regard. The only way like a legit band I think could get away with crowdsourcing is if they're like, we want to press vinyl but can't afford to. So how about you guys just pre-order your vinyl? Mm-hmm. You know, like, give me 20 bucks and then at the end of the day you get a vinyl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great. I like that. I like that too. Where it's you're, it's just about a pre-sale. Yeah. You're, you end up just pre-sailing your records then. But like a lot of the other people are like, when my album's done after I spend 10 grand, you'll get for $50 a CD and a sticker. I'm like, oh, well, nobody would pay $50 for that. No. That's insane. So I didn't want to do it. We're a for-profit business. Like, the fact that I haven't made money doing it is really nobody's fault but mine and my customers. <laughs> but other, we'll, get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. No, but otherwise, I mean, I was hesitant to do it. I just don't like handouts. Mm-hmm. And I did it begrudgingly because if I didn't, someone else was going to start one on my behalf. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, well, fuck it. Okay, so what happened? Oh, and then uh, I put off forty five hundred. Realistically, is we that owe... your month monthly rent there? Or... Yeah. Okay. Realistically, I owe for two months, so mm-hmm. we end up. I think it's up to like twelve thousand now. Yeah, yeah. We we checked it earlier. It's pretty close to that. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was after what? That's that was seven hours ago. You seven hours it. ago. Yeah. So you you made you made your initial uh, goal in less than an hour. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild. That's crazy. So now you're thinking, why didn't I do this a long time ago? Well, no, because it's. I think it's very much like this is a one-time thing, you know? So like if I did it, and the other reason I was hesitant, and I put in my initial message kind of like, I have three months of shows booked, and this will get us through to stay open for those three months of shows, but after that there's no guarantee. Right. Mm-hmm. Which made me think people would be less likely to be like, I don't know. Just like my horse is terminally ill, but if this gets his surgery, it can live for six more months. Donate money. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, well, 
It's going to die anyway. I'm going to yeah, give yeah. the horse money. <laughs> but people gave this horse money. So maybe they think it's not going to die. Maybe they're praying for a miracle. Maybe the they're praying for a miracle, but I think some people were very aware of what they were doing. You sure. Know? Yeah. Hopefully. So you raised enough money now, obviously, to stay open for a little bit. Right. You, you're going to make it through the summer and into yes. the fall a bit. One would hope. And now one of the reasons that you might be having problems with Wonder Bar is because people aren't uh, coming to shows. That's huge. Right. Um, me having a new job is big. Yeah. Because a lot of our staff, while amazing, are kind of new. And I'm capable on like a not so busy night of, let's say, bartending and doing sound. Mm-hmm. But a lot of shows where I'm not working, if the sound is a bit complicated and it might get busy, I'm paying like a door guy, a sound guy, two bartenders. Mm-hmm. So my staff costs are about 400 bucks. And then on those shows, if 40 people show up, a ring out will be like 600 bucks. Right. And I'm like, oh, I just lost money. Yeah. You know? So there's that. Because generally, uh, door sales go to, to the bands. Go to the bands. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's been a bit of an issue. Um, I've had some, and then like, I've been working way less because of the new job. I just mm-hmm. don't have time to like bartend as well. How mm-hmm. often in a week are you at Wonder Bar? Uh, two, three nights maybe. Yeah. Like I'm still doing lots of things for Wonder Bar, but that's when I'm actually working. Right. But then it also leads to other issues. Like if I'm paying that much staff cost. And so at the end of a semi busy night, there's like $200 left in the till and $20 bills. Then I have to try to refill the fridge and get change with that. Mm-hmm. And that gets less and less as we're losing money every show. So a lot of times like our bartenders are coming into a day where it's like, oh, you have like $200 in change and 30 beer in the fridge. You know, and it's like, that's all we can afford, which isn't fair to them. Yeah, so, fair enough. Yeah. So then I'm also like waiting at home for them to text me when we've made enough money that I can do a liquor store run and go back. So it's nightmarish. So... Now, if you have this much um, following and people are supporting Wonder Bar that were, you were able to raise $12,000 in seven hours. Right. Then I think it was like 270 people so far have donated. Right. Right. So there's, there's obviously a disparity between the people that love Wonder Bar, those 270 people, right. and them still not coming out to the shows. Yeah, I mean, but even not s- not to blame necessarily blame no, the no because I I'm I'm going somewhere with this, but I I feel like even but even if like we live in a city of a million people and I do all different kinds of music and if yeah. I'm drawing from a pool of three hundred people I'm going out of business right. it's just how it is yeah but also due to the nature of live music and you guys all know this is that the lifespan of someone who goes out to shows three and four and five nights a week is super short. You know, mm-hmm. like, there's not too many Christopher Zooks who still, like, have been doing it for 20 years. Yeah. No. And all it takes is, like, you get a day job. You're working at night. Like, you get a girlfriend. You get, um, your interests just change. Fair you enough. stop you drinking. Old. You drink less. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's, live music is an overwhelming thing if you mm-hmm. do it enough. You know, like, it's, there's, there's some days where, like, I'm like, I want to go to this show at another venue. But the idea of just having a band play at me again is not something I want to do tonight. So I think what happened today is that a lot of people who, and we've seen so many scenes like actively blow up, then die in those five years Mm -hmm. since we've been open to some degree. 
that a lot of guys who I used to see at Wonder Bar three and four days a week and haven't been there in two years were thinking and they're like, man, that's where I became part of something. That's where I met all my friends. I've gotten good opportunities or my band <clears throat> has and I don't go there anymore. And I don't want to. They won't say they don't want to, but they don't want to. Because if they want to, they'd be there. But right. they, it still holds a soft spot in their heart. or Yeah. You and know, I think they're also it's very... part aware. of their upbringing and nostalgia. And I think they're very aware that there's still young kids who are living what they lived. Mm-hmm. So they want to keep it going for someone else. Mm-hmm. So they're willing to support. It's just maybe they going there and actually paying cover and having a couple of drinks isn't something they want to do. And that's yeah. okay. You know? And that said, like, I love supporting local businesses. There's some businesses in town that, like, I theoretically support like crazy. And if you ask me about them, I'm like, oh, like, that's the best restaurant. But I haven't been there in a year. Mm-hmm. You know, if it closed, I'd be bummed. Mm-hmm. But I should probably go there more. So, now, what do you think? Uh, where, where does some of the apathy come from? Because, obviously, we have a, a city population of about a million people. Right. And Wonder Bar doesn't really have a competing venue Not that really, it deals no. with. And there are bigger venues, but... A lot of them are shutting down now too. Yep. So pawn shop just recently yep. announced. Uh, Haven's been gone for a long time. That was a smaller venue with yep. a different group. Arteries gone. Arteries shut down. Uh, so various uh, number of people. Like artery would take twice as many people as a you right. know as a people who are coming to see a show capacity wise. But somehow, even though. Like people are like, but there's no venues to go see a show, but then the venues open and then they're gone, or l- even long-standing venues all of a sudden are like, yeah, yeah, we I can't mean, do it. I mean, it's so hard. So what's happening? I think it's hard because I think music on the level that I'm booking it for the most part at Wonderbar, it's not big bands. It's not like bands where like some kid in the suburbs is looking at View and being like. Oh man, that band's playing one of our. I have five of their records, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like you really have to pay attention. You really have to keep your ear to the ground. You really have to actively like when I post a link, listen to music, and it might blow you away. That's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Like it takes a lot of work to stay on top of things. And the style of music that we do, there's certain scenes in this city. Like if you're booking metal shows or punk shows, every year there's a pile of kids graduating high school who are metal and punk guys, mm-hmm. and if you're even the folk scene, like the only scene in town where you'll go to watch an 18 year old kid play and 30% of the room is 60 plus. Sure. Because, yeah. because they're like, I want to hear Edmonton's next great folk musician. Yeah. But when you're booking music, that's kind of like the hip, cool new music that changes a lot. Fast. So too. fast. Yeah. So like if you stop paying attention for two years, you have literally no idea what's going on. Yeah. And I find that myself. I'll watch some bands that are like blowing people away and I'm like, Oh, I don't get it. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it's, yeah, like just, and it's weird because it's one of those things where when you're listening to cool music, you listen to it. Once, some, once something becomes popular, once something becomes unpopular, you act like it's always been that way. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're totally. like, oh, I've always thought that band was lame. Like, we live in 2015 when, like, a 20-year-old hipster who loves the hippest music can say like well I don't care what anyone thinks I love the new Taylor Swift record and it's like well yeah but literally everyone in your demographic loves that record <laughs> like that's the least risky thing to say <laughs> but all of you would not be, necessarily amongst his group 
well or he does it to be provocative or, like, or kind uh, of a, i think it fucking rules but like fake provocative yeah. you know what i mean yeah. like just making the safest claim you know mm-hmm. like i don't care what anybody thinks i like bacon on my burger it's like, <laughs> yeah a lot of people do man <laughs> but it's like a bolder claim would be like i like the arcade fire like that kid wouldn't got caught dead saying that yeah. but the version of him seven years ago would be like i like the arcade fire yeah yeah, for sure. But now it's like, I've never liked them, and nobody has ever liked them except douchebags. It's like, that's not true. Yeah. Yeah, well, when something uh, gets the grander mass appeal, and then you go to the show, and it's like, yeah, I used to, I used to love Modest Mouse, but then look at the fans. Yeah. I hate Modest Mouse. Can't, can't yeah. even stand can't listening listen to, to them. Always hated them. Always hated <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, but it's like, so it's really hard to keep up um, on what's cool. So we're appealing to like, I find myself, if I book all my favorite bands that are on tour, I'm appealing to kind of the same hundred people. And I'm like, man, I really hope these hundred people come out. Yeah. And that's really totally. hard. I would say every Absolutely. time I go to a show at Wonder Bar, I see most of the same people. Yeah. Yeah. And also the other shows that we have, you wouldn't have gone to, mm-hmm. and that's full of different people, mm-hmm. but the exact same situation. Yeah. So there's like five different crowds and sometimes they intermingle. And sometimes well, you definitely get a mix. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, it's uh, it's it's really hard to keep up and like get these new crowds in. So my question, like, my, I have a theory. Yeah. About this because when I, when I was young, eighteen, first moved to the city, from small town Alberta, going to a show was like the coolest thing I could possibly do, and it it would it sometimes didn't even matter what the show was, I would just if someone said like, oh, I heard they're good. Then I'd be like, oh, we're going to this show, and I heard they're good. And all of a sudden, it blew up into this bigger thing because I wasn't Googling them, and I wasn't, like, checking their band camp to see if I liked any of their songs or to see, like, how many records or their ratings were online before I went to the show. It was just like, maybe it's going to be good. But I think nowadays, my theory is, is that we have a younger generation that is used to more of a mass consumption, like the fast food music, like... Like mute bands come and go so fast nowadays. Okay. So like it's not even about going to the show to be like exploring music anymore. It's either you know it before you go or you don't go. Yeah, I mean that that's that for sure happens. It's also I remember when I first started going to shows and I lived in Cape Breton, so there wasn't that many bands. Mm-hmm. So it would kinda of be like, Oh man, we have to go to this show. There's like two punk bands and a metal band and three folkies, you know, mm-hmm. at a hall. And it's like you either go to a show or you don't go to a show. Mm-hmm. There's no option for like, which show do we go to? And when I moved to Halifax, I kind of became, I guess, part of a bigger scene there. For sure. And uh, found myself, I, I still had never adjusted to like picking and choosing. So I'd be like at a, an alt country show and the next day I'd be at a punk show. And the next day I'd be at like an indie rock show and I'd never see the same people. I didn't understand why because I feel like you can like other things. But now... In Edmonton, it's all about like the party now. It's always been all about the party, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So like, there's, there. I don't know. I, I feel like there's, uh, there's lots of things that are like. I mean, what's hard for me is I know people like the bar. I yeah. know they do. I love but the I bar. also know that the younger crowd who goes there, who are twenty, if I have a great show and there's any house show, they're all going to the house show. Mm-hmm. Just how it is. A bar can never be as cool as a house show. And well, that's true. 
It's true. And like same thing with like underground venues, right? But like, I would I would say your venue is probably the closest to a house show you can get. For, for sure. A bar. Yeah, for sure. But like I'll watch a house show with a garbage lineup. And people will be like, It was crazy. There was like a hundred people in this house. And I'm like, Oh, I had a great show last night. There was twenty people in my bar. Yeah. Because you know what? At a house show, you can dodge cover. At a house show, you can bring a six-pack. And at a house show, you can do whatever you want. There's no rules. Mm-hmm. Well, there should be rules, some rules. But, you know, mostly no rules. It's really hard to compete with that. So what does a venue got to do these days? I don't know. I, I don't know. Every venue's failing. <laughs> as far as I know, the only venue that didn't fail was the Artery. Yeah. Like Phil said, it was doing quite well. Mm-hmm. And I believe him on that. I think he had the right combination of dedicated people mixture of events the right amount of curation but also the right amount of lack of curation mm-hmm. which i've never been able to get past mm-hmm. does like running uh these things like a not-for-profit enter into it at all like could you do that like uh, like latitude or anything like that so i mean it depends because there's ways to I, i've looked into it a bit and there's ways to do a not-for-profit where you're like you're run by a society mm-hmm. and or who has a board and all this stuff, but most I think it saves you a bit on taxes. Mm-hmm. But there's other ways where like if you have like a legit society behind you that has money, right? But then it's kind of the same as, as having like a rich owner. But you could just like oh lose some money, whatever. You could theoretically, as a not for profit, like apply for grant funding and things. For, for sure, you could for sure, and that's all just like my weakness has always been paperwork, and so. I'm like, oh, that seems like a lot more of the stuff yeah, I suck at. Yeah, I, I get it. Like going into the non-for-profit business, it loses the punk rock element of yeah, just you're being already... like, <laughs> I just want to make some fucking cool shows. Right. You know, and swear and not have to like vow my uh, allegiance to a group yeah. and, and cave to, you know, the new elected uh, president of our board. Right. And I've had, I've heard from some people, like I have some people who knew the not-for-profit side more. Who are basically like, we could set up the sketchiest society yeah. to run your... And I'm like, oh, well, that sounds sketchy. Like, too <laughs> sketchy. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's it's it's always an option. But I think... I don't know. I, I mean, I look around and I see Pawn Shop going... You know, I mean, Pawn Shop went under. And I'm Starlight and Bricks, they've been on that, at that for so long. Like, they've been the owners have been putting time and effort. And I know they're not making a ton of money, if any. Probably losing a ton of money on that place. They keep doing it. Union Halls. Well, they've tried to reinvent anything. themselves so many times, too. Right. I mean, Starlight Room, obviously, has already had, under different ownership, but different names. Yeah. And different people that they were trying to appeal to. For sure. But then they started getting into, like, you know, cordoning off parts of the place to be, like, the Electro DJ Nights. And then Bricks is been victory lounge uh velvet underground yep. uh the bronx yep like so many different incarnations is it working now is is, is bricks working right now i mean they have a really good staff in charge of things like from top down who have great ideas and mm-hmm. every idea they have i'm like oh that's a good idea like people would like that mm-hmm. but it, they still face the same thing which is how do you get people to go to the shows like, I'm booking shows at Bricks that would bring out 100 people at Wonder Bar that are bringing out 50 at Bricks. I'll admit, I have not been to Bricks in probably two years <clears> for or sure. more. I think I went there. I've only been to Bricks. But I, I used to go to Victory Lounge live. Five years. Right. I mean, and it's just like, but I'm booking shows there where I'm like, oh, confidently 120 people are going. Then it's like six people came. I'm like, right, cool. Sorry. You know, but just how do you get people to your room? 
And I mean, there's some places like space and stuff like that where I mean, it's not like space is packed all the time. Mm-hmm. But I know, like, if there's a space, sh- space, just so the audience knows, is uh, not a we'd say a legitimate venue. It's a it's a space that's been opened up in a pretty old building that uh, is a combination of a bunch of artists and musicians that have gotten together, put it together, pretty cool, like uh, space, space. Yeah, it's and I mean it's. The, everyone who is involved in that is great, but I also know that, like if there's a pretty significant rock show, they draw more people there than I would at Wonder Bar a lot of the time, even though it's not in a convenient location necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's just there's like when it's there. This is the other problem: is when a show's there, they do shows rarely enough that someone's like, "Oh man, if Space wanted to show enough to do it, it must be cool and worth going to," because they only do two a month. Mm-hmm. Whereas with me, it's like, I mean, you guys know if you're on my Facebook, I'm inviting you to something every day. Yeah, right. right? For sure. And I mean, I don't believe in everything I book, but I believe in like 75% of what I book. Mm-hmm. But that means that like five days a week, I'm like, seriously, tonight's show is going to be a good one. Mm-hmm. And then who listens to you, you know? Oh, for sure. So, but you don't, uh, you don't actively poster for every one of your shows. No. So back in the day, like you found out about a show because you read in View Weekly or C Magazine, or you saw a really cool poster, and you're like, right. "Oh, make a note," and you like write it on your hand because you didn't have a cell phone to make a note into or a voice memo. Yeah, it's. I I I don't know how I feel about either of those things as affecting show attendance, because I've had like shows where a band gets a huge write up in View. And nobody comes. Mm-hmm. And I have shows where we poster great posters all over the city and nobody comes. It's just like... I, I've noticed this myself too for, yeah. for shows I've put on mainly recently where like the postering, I don't know if it helped at all. No, and you kind of want to do your like due diligence. and Because like the idea is this is something that well, my boss at Starlight sort of instilled in me. And it was... If a show fails and you did everything you can to promote it right, then the show is destined to fail. But if it's like, if the show flops and you're like, man, I didn't make a poster or hang posters for it. Well, maybe that would have been the difference maker. Probably not. But for me, it's like, there's enough shows locally where no one's going to walk by the poster and be like, oh, I don't know any of those bands, but I'll go. You know, like, I'm, I'm actually just relying on everyone telling their friends, like, that's how my shows are successful. Mm-hmm. Have you annoyed your friends enough? Because mm-hmm. like, I can do everything in my power, but if you're in a band, me convincing my friends and acquaintances to go see your band that they've never heard of, or me convincing strangers to go see your band is way less effective than you convincing the people you know to go see your band. Like Your friends are the ones who are going to be most receptive to that. So... A band kind of getting lazy and not telling their friends kind of screws them nice, you know? Well, yeah, especially local bands. Yeah. For sure. So so then are we destined to have, is it the death of the music venue these days? Are there, do you, is there examples in other cities that you think that are doing it right? Or well, doing something right where it's it seems to be successful? Well, I don't know. I mean... I feel like I have an opinion, but I also feel like I'm old and out of touch, so I can't necessarily <laughs> relate to the young kids and how they 
they're feeling about you know being 23 and what they're going to do on a Friday Thursday night you know uh, I think there's different scales of venues and they're not really comparable like comparing Starlight to Wonder Bar is not fair oh for sure but yeah. that's also I think uh, Nick if you've got a count on how many times I've said for sure on this podcast so far or I've said yeah uh, about 60 no that's I'm going number. 47 I think you're doubling up on your count okay. um I look at similar like-minded venues that I've been to, and there was one in Cape Breton that when I was growing up called Bunkers that was like the Wonder Bar of Cape Breton. What's interesting about music venues is that if you own one and then you start being successful for anything other than music, you will be like, man, that's a way easier way to make money. <laughs> you know, like, if just like one day I was like selling really good bagels every day from like 8 till 10 a.m. from Wonder Bar... And I was, I'd probably be like, man, this bagel game is a breeze compared to live music. I'm going to cancel the shows to sell bagels all day. Because mm-hmm. uh, Bunkers in Halifax became Governor's Pub. They basically gave it like an Irish pub makeover. And they still do live music. The booker there is great. Not so much loud stuff anymore. And now it's just kind of a bar where the average Joe goes. And the average Joe just spends more money than the average music fan. And Gus's Pub in Halifax... Show-wise, they go through the same thing we go through, but they also have a regular crowd and a giant VLT room. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, yeah. that's a difference maker. VLTs. <sighs> yeah. And it's like, I know if I filled the back of Wonder Road VLTs, I'd have tons of people <laughs> who go in and spend a lot of money. <laughs> that's a fucking bummer. <laughs> like, I could sell Coke, too. You know, that would make me money. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think, like, once upon a time, in Edmonton at least, we had some venues that were successful enough to to even move into bigger spaces. Right. Like New City was a was a venue that probably in the beginning held about 100 people. Right. And then moved into the big space downtown, which was a lot. I don't even know what the capacity was there, but it was significantly more than 100, like 500 more. Yeah, I would say 500. Yeah. So, and they did okay for a while. Then they had to downsize for a bit but they had a promoter in there uh, Rob Wright who was super active and and they were we were getting some crazy shows in that time like the blonde redhead and stuff played there and it was and they were kind of competing with the newly opened Starlight Room they were right. kind of doing a back to back and it was like oh who's going to outdo each other this week and then what were some like Sidetrack Cafe which was an old old music venue it lasted since like they had the Rolling Stones show up there one time I think was one of the stories right and and then they basically, they went under because developers wanted to put condos there. Right. And they moved to another space, but just never, it wasn't the same just didn't magic, right? I, 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 I think it's Japanese Village now or something. Yeah. Awesome. It's yeah, really interesting it when, you look at, when you look at all those places because the, each one sort of had, you know, like, capture lightning in a bottle briefly mm-hmm. you know um, sidetrack less briefly but like I know New City when it first started from what I understand in the old location there was just like a crowd that was so loyal very loyal that totally. were like they were there every night yeah and then I think when it was at the second location there was a period of time where that really worked Rob Wright is a great booker Rob Wright is a popular dude especially at Edmonton he knew every cool musician in Edmonton so like people bought into it mm-hmm which is really important. Um, 
we're going to see a trend coming up, I think, of new venues where the people who are booking them aren't traditionally promoters, but rather just people who know a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested to see how that goes because I think that could really work. You know, like you don't have to be the best promoter. It's just sort of like if people listen when you talk, you can kind of be a good promoter. Yeah. So you're optimistic. Not for myself. Like you, you put a like you put a person perspective on on New City and, and with Rob Wright as being like maybe that was like one of the keys. Right. I I think maybe it could have been also the time it was like ten years ago more. Right. Versus now. But I, I, if you you're optimistic that maybe there's a, people that need to tackle it differently and we can still have a successful venue in the city or more than one maybe i mean we need it i mean i feel like we still need it sure but i mean i i just the other thing about music that i've learned from booking the starlight room is that it's not about booking cool bands or good bands Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day the most successful shows on a room that size or bigger are like shows that appeal to non-music fans shows that appeal to people who are like i listen casually to the radio Mm-hmm. oh man one of the bands that they always play on the radio is coming and then they're not going to a show they're going to a concert but they're buying their tickets three months in advance and they're not forgetting about it and they're planning a night out it's on their calendar it's on their calendar they've got a babysitter I know like so many people who like I did a Baptist show at Bricks last week and I knew so many people who were like so excited for that show we sold barely any advance tickets and then like the day of the show so many people were like oh man I just I totally forgot Baptist was today or like, man, I totally forgot Baptist was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> but if that was you. like... How was Green Jelly? You had Green Jelly oh, a little while ago. Cool. How did that turn out? Good crowd. Yeah. Really bad show. Oh, but you made money? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. We definitely didn't lose money, I don't think. But dramatic, <laughs> it was a bad show. Like the worst show. <laughs> like the people, You won't give them back, get them back again. Oh, in every way a show can be bad, it was bad. Oh. Like it was the singer and just three dudes from Vancouver that learned four or five of his songs. Oh man! Oh, <laughs> and man. they played for like an hour and a half, knowing five songs. <laughs> and like it got so he was also announcing himself, so he'd be in the back room and he's like, "Now we have the legendary Green Jelly." Oh my like, god! <laughs> he'd like come off, then walk onto the stage with his long mic cable, and he's like selling posters, like Green Jelly posters from the stage. Like, oh no and way! Get a poster and people like, throw money stuff. Oh in his boots. my god! <laughs> and I think on their fifth. Is that all, what did they do that in the nineties when when they've done so. in the nineties? Maybe um, it's just like he's a throwback to like, well, this is what we did when I was your age. No. <laughs> no, I don't think. And then the, like during their last encore, he went on stage and he's like, t- look, turns to his band, he's like, you boys know any ACDC songs? And they're like, no. And he's like, okay, um. You know the Ramones, and I'm like, oh, this is like you're playing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I don't know if you read in the news, but uh, in the UK, uh, Finley Quay. Do you remember Finley yeah, Quay? Oh my God, Finley Quay. Finley Quay was in the news today. Uh, basically, he he did a show. I think it was in uh, Glasgow. Yep. Uh, or Glastonbury, one of the two. Started with the GLA. Right. And uh, and so. So basically, he goes out on stage uh, an hour late after missing sound check, and so at this point, the promoter was the one who who promoted the sh- like he got him in for the show, thinking he'd make a lot of money, and, right. and basically like 
I think it was like 15 minutes into the set, the promoter turns the lights on, comes out on stage, grabs the mic and apologizes to the audience. And he's like, sorry guys. Uh, I just, I, I got, I was really excited about this show. Uh, this show, I, I can't, I can no longer support it. Uh, I can't support this bullshit. Um, I will, uh, refund you all your tickets. Uh, you guys can stop playing. Uh, good night. Oh, man. <laughs> and, and there's a video. There's actually a video of it. Um, that would be like, you got to see it. it. It's, uh, it's so hard to watch. Well, if we can find it, we'll link to it. On yeah. We'll link website. to that on our website. Um, but Finley Quay, what's funny is in the thread that was related videos, it was, uh, Finley Quay has been homeless for eight years and Finley Quay, uh, is headlining the, uh, uh, can't remember what festival it is in the UK that's coming up. Holy and, shit. And, and so it was just funny. Cause like Finley Quay, like his hit was in 98 or yeah. something like that. <clears throat> and, and so would you ever do that? One of your shows? <laughs> so green jelly, would you be like, okay, enough's enough. Sorry guys. <laughs> what, what would it take? <laughs> what would it take for you to do that? Uh, there's only three shows I think that I've done where I felt kind of like a scam artist at the end of them, and that was one of them. Yeah, but luckily the Green Jelly. I thought about going. Luckily, the Green Jelly show. Uh, to be fair, the first twenty minutes he was very engaging. Mm-hmm. The whole time he was very interactive, and it was so bad that you kind of got your money's worth anyway. <laughs> you know, like very few people. Almost everyone left that night saying it's objectively a bad show that they just saw, but everyone left kind of stoked they saw it. Right? <laughs> to tell other people about it. I know recently, uh, Starlight Room, not myself, but another booker brought in Aaron Carter. Oh, I remember um, that show. And we were all, I was kind of excited about it. I was like, Aaron Carter, like, what would that be like? Because he's not like making new music, I don't think. I can't imagine. I, feel I, I like, assume he's finished puberty also by now since <laughs> yeah, the I last time <laughs> like he looks sketchy now <laughs> yeah. like just like Macaulay Culkin sketchy emaciated <laughs> yeah, different like scratch, just like scratch marks on his arms and ca- casually douchey I guess yeah. but he's uh like why after hours douchey uh, but uh why after hours speaks for itself it's an after hours bar in Edmonton that uh I've never been in and I never will go no into. I've never been in yeah I I've been in it once I didn't know what it was. I was, was pretty like? new to the city. It's, at, it's, I have no idea. It's fascinatingly terrible. It's it's so bad. What kind of music is okay, going okay, on in there? I have no I, clue. Random electronic sounds. I don't know. I, it was dance electronic music. And uh, what, what did he say on his sign back there? Oh, yeah. Our, our sound guy, Nick, just, once. he's got a sign board for us that he writes little notes telling us our time and telling us uh, if we're too loud or not speaking close up to the mic and he just wrote I got speed there once <laughs> on his board when the Aaron Carter show happened I was trying to think who would go to it because I know when like people like the Spice Girls play here a bunch of like people who listen to them when they were a kid will go and be very excited about it but like Aaron Carter didn't ha- I don't think anyone really liked him that much where like I have to go yeah mm-hmm. well that would be like that would be more like 10 year old girls Right. Like eight, eight to ten years old, where it was safe pop music. Like they were uh, getting to the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC was a little too old for them. Their parents probably didn't buy them the records. <laughs> but Aaron Carter was like, "Girl, let's chew some gum outside the school." <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> and 
those songs I found age poorly when you're like when you're 35 singing them. It's like oh, that's oh, super depressing. But is that how old he is in it? No, he's not that old. I I don't know. He's probably not that old, but he's not like he's he's got to be at 30. I mean, he was older than I was when. Okay, well, let's say the nine. Oh, late wait. late 90s. Let's use our Google guy. Oh, yeah, okay, we can use our Google guy. Nick, this one's on you. We will continue our conversation. You tell us when you have the answer to how old he really is. So the show didn't go great. Not many people went. Um, he what's, showed not, up. what's not many? Because the capacity for Starlight Room is... I don't know, there was like 70 people. Oh, my God. So um, what the capacity for Starlight Room is, though, for the... 550. 550. So 70 people were there watching Aaron Carter, which sucks. That's how many people went to go see Jonathan Richmond. Oh, that, oh that was so sad. <laughs> that was so sad. It's, Seven o'clock show, though. And yeah. that's 20 more than went to see Swerve Driver. It yeah. was too early. I know. Yeah. Whoa. But I had to work. That's the only reason I didn't go. Aaron Carter apparently showed up like 30 minutes late, played for like a half-assed 25-minute set with no openers and left. And afterwards, we were talking about it, me and some friends, and one of my friends was like, I wonder what he's worth. So we looked up on celebritynetworth.com. Mm-hmm. Turns out his net worth is $6,000, which includes music equipment and a MacBook and $60 cash. That's if you're going to book him? No, that's how much that's he's how much worth. He's worth that's as like a human his being. assets oh my God. are $6,000. His debts are $2 million plus. Wow. Oh, God. So I'm and like, you're... He's 35. He's 35. He's older than me. When did that happen? He also looks like he's uh, been haggard. Yeah. He's like, he's been to some Y after hours. He's weathered. But he's like, like imagine chipping away at $2 million, $750, or like $1,000 at a time. Well, you, I don't think he is. He's probably not chipping away at it at all. No, no. no he's, he's just like, yeah, it's $2 million. What are you going to do? I feel like if you get to that amount of debt, you just keep on going and pretend it doesn't exist. True. <laughs> They'll come at you, but be like, what are you taking? Put me in jail. I have a MacBook and some okay. music equipment at $60 cash. You can look it up online. Yeah. <laughs> That's how much I'm worth. Real depressing. Also, I have another book in coming. Do you remember the band The Moffats? Yes. Whoa. Yeah. I, yeah. I have the singer from The Moffats playing at Wonder Bar soon. What? What's he doing and why? Why did you book him? <laughs> <laughs> what, what What was his what, proposal? <laughs> yeah, what, like, did he send you a portfolio? Here's what's weird. <laughs> After tape? The Moffats, he played in a really good emo band, like a post-rock or a post emo band for a while. Okay. Called The Boston Post. And okay. then, now, he's just playing under his own first name, Scott. <laughs> his project called Scott. That's it? Scott. He's like Cher or Madonna? Right, but just like, but a very average everyday name. Just Scott. Um, just almost wait until makes, artist formerly known as Scott. But going by just your first name, when your first name is something like Scott, I feel like you're bound to never become super famous. <laughs> yeah. You know, like... What are the chances of him being the most famous Scott? Yeah. Hey, have you ever listened to Scott? Scott? Hey, have you listened to... Do you like Scott? Scott? He's... And so he just asked... like, Or someone on his behalf asked if he could play there. And he's like writing all new songs and everything. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't want to... I know I could sell it out if I was like, Hey guys, Scott from the Moffats is playing at Wonder Bar. But I don't want to like sell a show by people coming to like make fun of him because by all accounts he seems like a really nice guy. Yeah, yeah don't don't because he might pull a Billy Bob Thornton thing where he's like, wait, I'm, I'm I didn't want to be, be talking about the Moffats here, right? 
I told you. Yeah. So you expect people to come up for that though? I don't know. I think I know our Wonder Bar is failing. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough. Have moments. you listened to any of his music? <laughs> so presumably, I mean, you work super hard. Well, we know you. We, you we, work, it's not presumed. Well, we no, know no. you work super hard. Presumably, comma, uh, you work super hard, comma. So <laughs> let's punctu- I'll punctuate it after. Uh, I wasn't done the sentence. Um, you work super hard at Wonder Bar, so presumably you love what you do. Like you, most times. Most times. Um, yeah, I, I I was just wondering, like, did you? Did you always want to have this venue? No, no. I at, when I was around sixteen, I was vowed I'd never put on a show because it's a sucker's racket. It is a sucker's racket. Um. After that, when I thought of opening a bar, because I've always wanted to have a bar, I always vowed it wouldn't be a music venue because that's a sucker's racket. Right. So we got a bar, and then I realized all it could possibly be is a music venue. So I did it. It's a sucker's racket. But uh, it was the only option available. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's not what I've always wanted to do. But what's what's interesting about it, and I feel like I was discussing this with my boss uh, before the Deerhoof show started, mm-hmm. which was awesome. I'm going to say again, that was one of my highlights. It was yeah, great. I'm yeah. sorry I missed it. I forgot about it the day it happened, <laughs> oh, and the day after I didn't remember. <laughs> but we were like, we were very frustrated. Like it was like a really long sound check. There were just a bunch of things going wrong. And uh, we were both super stressed out, and we're sitting in his office, just like still hearing them, just still sound checking, and a crowd outside waiting, and we're both really mad. To be to be, from the audience perspective, I was like second person in line waiting to get in, and it was really exciting to hear what I was about to hear. Sure. I was like, Nana's like, oh, who's this? Who's this playing? Because she'd actually never heard them before. Right. I was like. And she said it with like a look of disgust. She was like, "Ugh." So, how many sound checks do we have to listen through before we get inside? I was like, "This is awesome. That's Deerhoof. That's Deerhoof." And then she, her face smiled. She's like, "Oh yeah, it's really good. It's really, <laughs> ah, this is gonna be a good show." <laughs> it's, but what's funny is like I was sitting there and it, it dawned on me. I'm like, "Here's what's gonna happen. The two of us are stressed out right now. We're gonna both be stressed out all night long for one reason or another." Because being the behind-the-scenes guy at the show, you're never Always, yeah. chilling and relaxing. Yeah. But that at some point tonight, we're going to get the vibe that something really cool happened here. And that's going to be enough to make us go through it all again. And that's the that's the uh, catch. I was, I was so excited when you actually uh, said you were starting with Starlight Room. Right. Because I knew all of a sudden I would be going to Starlight Room for shows that... Like, I, I feel like there's been a bit of a it's been a bit of a wasteland when it comes to music that i really appreciate and some of the bigger bands that i really appreciate coming into town right it's been i just promoters aren't necessarily geared towards it it has been it has been lately i mean i saw things like i saw jay maskis and stephen malkmus and the jicks and all that kind of stuff there but like yeah that was that was so long ago so long ago yeah and it's dinosaur jr yeah, yeah, but there's been this. There's been a bit of a, a vacant vacant space. So when like Swerve Driver, you said, and then I saw Deerhoof. Yeah, and Deerhoof is one that like that was literally that was the second ever new vinyl that I ever bought. I had lots of old used records, but the first one was uh, Microphones, Glow Part Two. Yeah, of course. And then 
and then uh, Deer Hoof, uh, Apple O's. Oh, yeah. And it was like, and so I've been like, when I saw that show, and well, actually, I was talking to you before you were like, so we're trying to get Deer Hoof. And I was like, that's amazing. And it was an amazing show. Anyone who missed it, man, if you get a chance to go see Deer Hoof, they put on a great show. Yeah. They're so talented. But it's also like that show did well and went well. But at the same time, like it brought out 225 less people than Danko Jones. Yeah. Right. And so I'm like, oh, I don't fucking know then. Like, <laughs> yeah. Nobody likes Danko Jones. Yeah. So maybe it's just an Alberta problem. No, it's everywhere. We're gonna have, we're gonna have to do. A, this is where we we go to the emails. Oh. We need to do a bit of a poll here. And uh, see anyone who uh, is living in a city, not, well, you can be in Alberta, that uh, knows of a venue that's doing things that are really cool, really successful, and, and recognizing that uh, the tastes of this panel uh, are biased. We have our idea of what is cool, and we'll tell you yeah. whether or not your examples are cool or not. And we'll say it, and then you'll know. <laughs> then you change. So, what, what's our email address? Our email address is borcellibrothers at gmail.com. It's pretty simple. You can email us there. That's B-O-R-C-H-E-L-L-I brothers at gmail.com. Awesome. And we will uh, read some of them out online. Or we'll read some of them online first, and then we'll read them out loud at the next, uh, next show or the next couple shows. Awesome. Um, what else do we want to talk about? What's new in uh, news? I think we take a pause. Sure. Let's do a pause. We sure. can edit this. Take a break. You can uh, answer some texts, any emergency things that you need to do. Smoke. Hey, Sean! What are you drinking? Oh, uh, hey, Mike. I didn't see you there. That, that was a steam whistle pilsner, Canada's premium pilsner. It's brewed with only four all-natural ingredients, spring water, malted barley, hops, and yeast. All GMO-free. It's delicious. Oh, yeah? Mind if I have one? Actually, that was my last one. Dang, that sucks. It does suck. It really does. Steam whistle beer. Um, what were we talking about? Uh, we we, we need to get into the book of questions. You want to do that first? I feel well. Like you wanted this part of the main episode. Yeah, but I can splice it to the main episode. Well, maybe now's a good time. Let's do book of questions. Okay, book of questions time. Okay, so Craig, let's introduce uh, a segment uh, that we want to have on. Most of our episodes, we have this little book uh, called the Book of Questions. Okay, it's written by uh, Dr. Gregory Stock. Okay, uh, he's a guy. He's done a few of them. There's actually like a love and sex one, and he's done a book of, book of questions for kids. Okay, uh, so kid, like you, you would say like, "Hey, kid, what do you think about this lollipop that I'm about to give you?" I don't know you. 
and then they would have to come up with an answer. Well, you know, because that's kid and brains. Yeah, and what, what are they actually going to do? So there's so many questions in here, ranges from sex to race to what if you had a bunch of money. Okay. And so it is your duty yep. to flip through there. Find a question you think would be interesting for all of us to talk about. Or one you find interesting. Doesn't matter. Like, just one you want. Like, or maybe one that you actually have a specific opinion on that you know right away and want to hear our opinion. Just tab it with this little blue tab when well, you find it. <clears throat> this is also a really good book to have around a campfire. Oh, yeah. If you're amongst a bunch of people that don't know how to talk to each other i got what i like good <clears throat> if what you owned had no bearing on what people thought of you would you spend your money differently oh, oh if i had money craig what do you think um absolutely i don't know i feel like i've gotten out of materialism to some degree Due to having no money. But there's still things I do that are very much like that I own more to get someone else's opinion than otherwise. Right. Like what? Art. Art. Like like having art on display at my house. Where like I get some enjoyment out of it for sure. I like having it there. But it's more that when someone comes in, they're like, oh, cool art. <laughs> or like having a, a vinyl record collection. Sure. Where, like, I listen to music very rarely at home and realistically have all my music on my iPod mm -hmm. or on my hard drive, and I don't need to ever own a vinyl record. But I do. <laughs> and that's, and, like, even, like, Because otherwise you'd be posing. Right, exactly. Or are you posing now? I'm kind of posing now. <laughs> um, or even, like, a library of books. Although I read books, like, I rarely read a book twice, but I'll keep it. <laughs> to no, go I, on the shelf. No, I have a library like, of cool oh, hey. books. Can I can I see, see that book? Yeah. I just want to see the question again here. So, what would be think? Oh, so let's say people aren't judging you on it, then. Right. Like if everyone had yeah, no so opinion. So, what on would my you stuff. prefer to buy instead I, of I like don't spending know. your money? Not I think I would just have more money. You know, like <laughs> yeah. like there's certain things, and as much as like there's certain things that as I've grown older, I've. Uh, Kind of like accepted, I guess, which is like when I was 20, I was very anti-television. I was like, you know, I grew up with television in my house and I would think about like all the hours wasted watching like bad shows on basic cable where I'm like, man, I've watched a lot of Drew Carey show considering I've never liked the Drew Carey show. <laughs> so when I was going to my 20s, I'm like, I don't have cable. We have a crappy TV. We own like two DVD box sets and life's good. But now it's like I have a big TV and I like it. You know, like it's something yeah. that I actually use. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And big TVs are better than small TVs. They're just agree. better to watch. Totally right. Agree. <laughs> so like I own that and that's something I would own. Otherwise a comfortable bed is very important. Comfortable <laughs> shoes are very important and a high pressure shower head and anything else, whatever, you know, like nothing else really matters to me that much. Is there something to be said for people who like, people who are trying to find deals on things too, who want to spend the least amount of money on something that's awesome. Like, I don't know. It's hard for me to, I don't do that. I guess I, I spend so I, I spend almost all of my money just to look like a functioning adult. 
<laughs> like that's, sure. That's oh, what it that's is. It's all point. about just looking yeah, like yeah. a functioning adult. Yeah, making sure that people, like when I go to work or even just walking down the street, don't think of me as a slob or a piece of shit. Yeah, and it doesn't work. I still spend it so poorly and it never looks that way. Yeah. I, I'd rather, I'd rather honestly, if I could, just wear a sweatsuit. Yeah. The same sweatsuit and just have multiple colors of it or something or even the same color and just know that I, like I'm always wearing clean clothes every day, but I don't give a shit about what people think of me and the amount of money I would save there, I could actually go buy the records that I want to buy. Right. Or buy the really big honking uh, stereo system with subs and things and have a massive surround sound system. I used to carry around in my pocket my dream stereo system. I used to work at AMB Sound, and I would go down to the stereo department all the time, and and I would I I priced everything out, and I knew the price point. I knew every cable needed to hook up every piece of equipment. I knew the entire speaker system, Energy Velodyne speakers that I wanted. I used to carry it in my wallet. Really? <laughs> but I I would never purchase it because it's like people are like, why'd you buy that when you could have, you know, paid your student loans. Yeah, which I still haven't done, but because <laughs> I went to records and books, but at least people wouldn't say, "Hey, why'd you buy those books and records? You could have paid your student loan." Those are small increments. People are like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah. you just got that on the side." <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. One of my friends who I always give, I buy my albums a uh, dozen copies at a time. <laughs> <laughs> one of my uh, one of my good friends. He's my oldest friend. He lives in Edmonton, and I give him the hardest time for the way he lives and the way his house looks. Like he bought a house. It's very different from mine. He doesn't collect anything except movies, like just Blu-ray and DVD. And he doesn't own a record. He might own like a record, but he doesn't have a record collection. Um, there's no art on the walls of his house anywhere. So it's just blank walls. Everything he owns is something I wouldn't choose to own. So he has like, I'm going to the brick and getting the biggest like least cool comfortable couch the biggest least cool comfortable chair and i have a an ikea table and i have ikea side tables with ikea paper lamps on them and that is my entire living room and a giant television so you're basically on the other side of the question you're the person going to this person who's purchased these things and you're the one judging him yeah absolutely because <laughs> the idea like and it mostly stems from me having to shop for him where like when I'm I, buying gifts for your friends when you're young is easy because you don't have enough money to get the things you want. Mm-hmm. So when you're young, I'd be like, "Oh man, I know Sean doesn't have that movie, that movie, or that movie, so I'm buying him these movies." But now as an adult, he buys what he wants. Yeah. So I'm like, "Well, what do I get him? I get him a piece of art, but he literally will like take it and say thanks and not hang it. Like he'd prefer not to have anything on the walls. But my house has tons of art on the walls, too much art on the walls, if anything. We have a te- our television on this very vintage credenza. Instead of coffee tables, we have those old-fashioned, uh, like, big metal storage chests. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we have those as coffee tables, and we have three couches. One is a very uncomfortable vintage pink couch. One is a couch made almost entirely of metal and naga hide. Where you saw it, you're like, what a cool couch. If you sat on it, you'd be like, not great for sitting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, I literally own a couch you don't like, people don't like sitting on because it looks cool. And when you walk in, it's like all these things draw your attention. 
But I go to his house, I'm like, oh, your stupid couch, I hate it. And I sit on it, I'm like, man, that's a couch. You know? <laughs> yeah. when, when Natalie and I first moved into this house here, uh, one of the things I said, because we have, we have an upstairs that has like a, like a family room area, and then we have our living room. Right. And for the most part, like we had all of her, like her vintage furniture, 1960s, awesome stuff in the living room down there, and we never spent any time in it. But upstairs, when we got a bunch of uh, furniture from her dad's cabin that was just kind of like given to us, being like, and they were just these over plushed everything, and including a uh, a lazy boy, right? Which is like I've always wanted to have a lazy boy. I would never buy one because of how expensive they are. But like, like my grandpa had a lazy boy, yeah, and it was it was glorious. And so we got a lazy boy up there, and she was like. So, uh, we're getting the lazy boy from the cabin. And I said, that's amazing. That's so good. Yeah. She's like, well, it's going upstairs though. It's not going in the living room. I'm like, that's fine. I don't care. And where do we spend most of our time? Upstairs. Yep. That's where we watch our movies. It's where we all hang out. We, we spend like zero time in the living room. That's like, even when company comes over, we go to the kitchen, even though we have the fancy vintage couches and, and everything in, in the living room, it's. I feel it's like not comfortable. I feel like I spent um, I spent several years, well, formative years, collecting all this stuff as much stuff as I could for free to fill a space of my own. Stealing it off of you guys when you didn't want it anymore, and 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 finding it for cheap or getting it off of friends, and and I filled my space, and almost immediately after realized. I, I don't want any of this. I want to get rid of it all. I want nice things, and this is all secondhand stuff. And I did, I was so proud of it before, and now I I can't stand it's any of it. It's called growing up. Michael. Yeah, I know. It's, it's called yeah, absolutely up. called growing up. But it was now, like, the last few years, I've been just trying to downsize everything and get rid of all this garbage because I'm embarrassed like the, the, by the it The cool little things and the yeah. cool poster that was framed from poster world or poster center. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry I, about that. Thanks I for taking up, all of my shit from me though. The things I put up in my apartment to like impress girls when they came over <laughs> are now like the things that I hide <laughs> when yeah. my girlfriends over. Cause your girlfriends are older now yeah. and they're like, Oh God, I don't want to date a kid. Yeah. I'm like, Oh right. I can't keep this out. It, it, but it's funny cause you go through like these phases when I was first on my own. All I all we had like I lived with Sean back then, and our whole apartment was just an apartment full of bad conversation pieces. <laughs> Where like you walk in and there's like a ceramic hand on the wall, and like we have a a gold spray painted football lamp and like a <laughs> futon bunk bed. Like everything was weird. And then like eventually after like a year or two, I'm like all that stuff sucks. Like everything we have sucks. And then when I moved out on my own for the first time, like living alone, I had nothing. I just had a a metal couch. And a guitar. And I was like, I'm only going to buy things that I really like. Like, I'd rather not have a tea kettle than have a shitty tea kettle. So oh, I'd wait yeah. until like I found one but that's a good Do you price. find, though, that you still haven't been able to get that tea kettle because you haven't found the tea kettle? That's I, my life. That's the story of my no, life. It's like, I found I, one. I got rid of everything. I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm only going to get it when I find that choice piece. I found a, my apartment was almost perfect. It had like, I was missing a coffee table mm-hmm. and I refused to buy one because I couldn't find a good one. And everything else, it was like a one bedroom apartment and there was just enough stuff. There was room for everything. 
And then Shalane moved in with me, and she was in a different phase. So she's like, okay, where are we going to put the drafting table? I have my sewing table here, and I have these two giant boxes of VHS tapes. And I'm like, why don't you throw your VHS tapes? And she's like, well, why would I? I'm like, well, we don't own a VCR. I can download all of those movies. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, well, you know what? My grandma, who lives like on an island in B.C., Still has a VCR, so I'll wait till she's in town. I'll give them to her, and I'm like, "Your grandmother does not want all those VH. Doesn't want like Pocahontas on VHS, <laughs> you know." But it was just a different phase of our lives, and now we're both kind of in the same phase. But what it kind of taught me is that like average Joe douchebag, a lot of the stuff he's into, if I'm being really honest, all makes sense to me. Oh, totally. You know, yeah. like the big I comfy couch. I envy my neighbor and his quad that he drives up and down the alley back and forth because that's as far as he can go. I'm like. Why do you even have that if you live here? Yeah. But it, because it's literally up and down. And he does, he just drives back and forth up and down the back alley. And I'm like, that's stupid. But I'm like, I, I would love to have a quad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, we, just... have a, we have a big inflatable pool in our backyard that looks like shit. That I, when Natalie was like, I'm buying a pool, I was like, no, no, no. Think about the water. It's such a waste. But then we got it. And it's the kids so love nice. it. And we, like, literally the day that we inflated it and filled it, we basically had an impromptu backyard party where the neighbors were coming over and, and drinking and, like, Darren Radborn and Paul Coots and all these people were coming over. And I, I was like, oh, this pool is the best thing we ever bought. You guys texted me that you had a pool, and I was coming back from Sled Island in a car on with no air conditioning all day. We've been driving <laughs> for a few hours, and it was like, oh... That sounds like the best thing in the whole world. It was so nice. Yeah, we had a fire that night or whatever, and it was just, we, it was glorious. We played Book of Questions. We played, this is where Book of Questions first started. That pool. The first appearance. Yeah. yeah. Um, one, we recently, uh, Shalane's dad got into metalworking. So he's going to make us a fire pit for our yard because our old fire pit was crappy. Shalane's your wife. Yes. So it's like, her dad was like, so... What do you want me to, like, uh, Jesus, how come I can't come up with a term? This is how unman's man I am. But he was going to, like, cut pieces out so it says something or, like, put a symbol in it. He's like, what do you want written? And I'm like, oh, nothing, probably. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm okay with just like, an anonymous fire pit. I don't have to send a message. And he's like, well, what if I write, like, Wonder Bar on it and the Wonder Bar logo? I'm like, well, no, it's okay. Because, like, yeah, my whole last life, thing you want to be my whole life and my work life were very different. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, well, because he had new, these were newly acquired skills that he wanted to use. So he's like, pick something. And Shalane's like, what do you want? And I'm like, Fart Mountain. I want to say Fart Mountain. <laughs> and she's, yeah. like, she's like, oh, I love Fart Mountain. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. Awesome. <laughs> so she sends her dad, she's like, Fart Mountain, that's please. And he her. delivers. He's like, here you go. And Wonder Bar. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I know when you say Fart Mountain, you really yeah. Wonder nobody, Bar. no adult would want Fart Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> They'd want the name of their business at home. <laughs> well, to be honest, like we have pictures of Mike and I uh, all in my house, including Borcelli Brothers logos and things. Uh, if you go, if you actually, if you take a bathroom break inside, you'll see the toilet's got our decals all over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Borcelli Brothers graffiti. Uh, I usually have a Borcelli Brothers water bottle here. But we're really into what we do. Yeah. Sure. You're committed. Because uh, it's, you know, ep- episode two. Yeah. <laughs> Spend a lot of money, but we got to episode two. <laughs> yeah. On decals. 
yeah. yeah, we bought them uh, in September because we knew this was going to be huge. Right. We we got all the merch, and I just I don't want to share it. <laughs> I like it all. Speaking of things that we bought, that uh, if people saw it, might judge us for it. All our merch. Yeah. We got Todd McFarlane to make us toys. We've got little Todd McFarlane <laughs> action figures in us. Yeah. I don't know if you. Here's Which a little. Super cool. People wonder why it took us a year to get here. It was we were. There's really, things you got to do first before you, you start plan a podcast. That stuff. You got to you got to merch. You got to brand yourself. Little known fact: I was getting action figures made of myself to sell at Wonder Bar. No. And I found a guy locally who would make them for me. Like 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 three D printing style or like no how? like cast and well mold. Yeah. And Whoa. he's really good. Um, he used to work at uh, Sound Connection. That's where I met him. And I had seen some of his work. And like he does a lot of uh, stuff for like uh, heavy metal stuff, like for yeah. magazines. And uh, his stuff's insane, like insanely detailed. And I was talking to him, and I'm just like, can I make an action figure? Like, an action figure is nuts. Mm-hmm. Like to have like a movable <laughs> arms and legs action figure so is nuts. So he does joints and everything. No, he was, but he probably could if you like. But it would really, cost a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, here's the thing. The stuff you do is always like like large-breasted woman in a bikini fighting somebody with a guitar in her hand. Very detailed. And I'm like, my natural body shape, you'd essentially have to make a South Park character. You know what I mean? Like just like three circles. Like just circle, circle, little circle legs and arms. He's got to be easy. So he priced it out. I think they were going to be like four bucks each cost. Oh, really? Yeah. Does he paint them individually? Uh, we were going to handle the painting oh, just because that would have been a huge additional cost. Yeah, obviously. But I eventually, I will say on the record that I came to my senses and wasn't that arrogant, but really I just never got the money together to start. I feel like people would buy it a lot. Like a lot of people buy it. Like that, that, group, See, that, of, could... that group of 200 people who go to your bar would buy Right. <laughs> yeah, if you would have done a Kickstarter instead of a GoFundMe for Wonder Bar... That could have been a, a definite. Bit. Hey, you! If you pay fifty bucks, you get a action Craig figure. Action Craig Martell. <laughs> that would be. I. I would have actually paid. I'll tell you the truth. I didn't give you a cent today, because I had to rent all this equipment. And, and Natalie said we need to change our tires. And I was like, "Fuck." Yeah, that's fine. I'm just telling you. Like down the road, we'll see how long this GoFundMe thing lasts. <laughs> right. Keep it up forever. You should just see. So here's just my question. Leave it on. So you had to pay that today, right? That, yeah. So GoFundMe takes that money hours. in your account now, or no? What, um, what's I luckily after I only found out afterwards that it takes a few days to transfer the money over. Right. I found out after I started it, but I had a mystery benefactor who kind of knew how GoFundMe worked and was like. I have four and a half grand on my bank account that I can give to you knowing I'll get it back. Oh, awesome. So nice. it's really cool of them. That's amazing. So does it work through PayPal or something? Or I think it goes right check? to my bank account. Although there's a 50% chance I enter my bank account information wrong. But we'll see how that plays out. <laughs> don't do it. Don't, don't do it. Don't do what? Enter it in right. I, I know. Well, I but I thought I figured it out. But then to be safe, I went to my bank and got like... A direct deposit slip just to make sure the numbers are right, but I just haven't been home since. So we'll see how that plays out. <laughs> I feel like it might go into like by chance into like my high school bully's bank account, and I'll be like, "Fuck." <laughs> <laughs> the tragic end to the movie. Of yeah. Martell. yeah. <laughs> 
Speaking speaking of the action figures, though, I think uh, going back to the the question too, the Todd McFarlane toy thing, I would probably spend a lot of money on Todd McFarlane toys or uh, toys in general. Of us? Or no, just, no, no, or no. Just his no, toys. No, for things like because when I first broke up with my long term girlfriend, I was living on my own and actually had no idea that I could even date another girl. Right. Like I was like twenty. Twenty high school sweetheart. Yeah, my my high school sweetheart. I I spent so much money at the comic book store and also Todd McFarlane toys. I was like, I remember that. Christmas I would I probably I wouldn't buy Todd them McFarlane now. Like toys, Todd McFarlane. Toys yeah, I was him. on such a spree that I got at Christmas. Spawn, Middle Ages, Spawn. <laughs> I got Austin Powers, oh, Timeless. Todd McFarlane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I was a big, big on the toys there for a bit. And they I were like, awesome. I, 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 I thought they were toys. so cool. And Lego sets. I just want Lego sets. Well, what's but what? I think Todd McFarlane toys are always somewhere where, like, I'll go and I'm a comic book fan and I see all these superheroes and I'm like, I want all of these. But I also know that I wouldn't be happy unless I had all of them. Yeah. Like if I had like the thing in Human Torch but didn't have Ree Richards and. Invisible Woman, I'd be like, well, that's pointless. Yeah, this whole thing's pointless. So I own a few toys at home. I think I have a Mike Watt toy. Mm-hmm. I have a Mike Watt. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I also gave one to Salem On Boys who have it on their food truck. Nice. Um, I have. That, who who made that toy? I don't know. It's like a whole line of punk singers that they sell at that uh, White Knight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they have like uh, they have. Mike Watt and like the the guitarist for the MC5 and oh, stuff like See, that. Now you just changed gears on me and I. That's what I want now. Right. Um, <laughs> I have a. I know what I'm getting for Christmas. <laughs> I have one superhero toy. I think I have those toys that they design where they're just like really fat. Mm-hmm. And I have like fat uh, Green Lantern. Are you talking like like the the Japanese kind of stuff? Yeah. Like the weird proportion big head. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. not bobbleheads. Not bobbleheads. But yeah, yeah, so I have a Green Lantern and a Notorious B.I.G. And then I have a Scott Pilgrim toy. <laughs> I feel like even a, any like a realistic version of Notorious B.I.G. would turn out like the Green Lantern. Yeah, it's dead on. <laughs> dead on. Yeah. <laughs> what an amazing radio silence. There. It was great. And everyone was thinking. Like everyone was staring off like... <laughs> What else would be a no, cool it's actually toy? Just, I was picturing your toys. Well, uh, Craig, this was fun. It was this, so fun. This was a nice talk. I really liked it. We talked about serious stuff. I mm-hmm. love to talk about nerd stuff. I think we got uh, we got enough of both on yeah. this. And the book of questions. Oh, it was fantastic. That yeah. was good. You should change the name of the podcast to The Nerdist. <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. That's a I good idea. it would do well. But also with the inspiring Quake conversation we have, I figure you could call it something like This American Life. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about that because we're in Canada. Well, the Vinyl Cafe. <laughs> it's sort of, well, that's Jimmy Stewart. Degrassi High. I feel like there we're, th- we go. we're throwing so many, <laughs> so many chemicals into the equation, it's sort of like a lab, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's true. Like a, on the radio, getting, like a radio bit, lab or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, Craig, thanks for coming. Thanks, thanks so much, for Craig. having me. We hope to have you back sometime. Anytime you want. Great. Thanks, man. Girl, let's chew some gum outside the school.